And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I am fantastic. This is our first time recording in a while. It's been a while. So now I'm all energetic and excited and ready. Mama Baden was busy touring the country and going to Mardi Gras. Well, no, not Mardi Gras. Some big jazz performance in, in, in NOLA. And just basically living her best life. Meanwhile, oh. I've been in the co- I've been in the content mind, editing this podcast for you. By editing, I mean bleeping out my curses every five seconds. Hey, I feel no guilt. Somebody questioned me on, oh my gosh, you can take off. And I said, listen, first of all, I'm not off work. I'm still working nights. Secondly, I deserve a few days out of the year to not have to tend to anyone. No, it, exactly. Use her a few days. Meanwhile, I was still working. Like, <laughs> like, like, like she had she had up here singing slave songs. I was like, swing low, sweet chariot, while typing I, on my computer. It was awful. I would I would like to think that it was a nice break for you not to have to listen to me go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. So, we're, uh, we're no comment. <laughs> I'm joking. No, 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 I know that I could be a little too much sometimes. All right, so are we ready for this topic? Yeah, so this is one I suggested because our last episode, in terms of when it's published, I don't remember when we actually recorded it, but in terms of, of publishing, our last episode, when we talked about the autism checklist, we started with a 10-minute tangent about special interests. I don't know why, but it gave me an idea that I'm like, let's do a whole episode on that. We actually haven't. And mm-hmm. when you think of autism special interests or air quotes, obsessions. That's one of the first things most lay people know. Even if you don't know anything about autism, you think meltdowns, you think social ineptitude, you think like not speaking and you think special mm-hmm. interests. Yeah. So, it's... sorry. No, 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 go ahead. So I really just want to sort of deep dive into that because A, I think if, if we can make it entertaining and I always love things can make it entertaining, but we can also make it really informative. Yes. And help parents and educators and autistic people better understand what special interests are and aren't. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting you say that when you say, like, that's one of the things people think about, because you're right. Uh, Usually if a parent um, reveals the diagnosis to someone who is not aware, they will either ask about their special skill, (laughs) like like what magic savant skills do they have? What's your superpower? Yeah, superpowers. Or typically it is exactly that. Oh, what's what is what is their interest? What's their special interest? What's their obsession, right? And and all of that. And so, you know, I I like to think of uh this special interest, right? Um, I sort of have have grown to explaining it to parents in terms of it's really just your child following their dream, right? Like this is what makes them happy. This is what they're able to create, or this is what they're interested in. And a lot of people do that, right? The veterinarian brought home all the stray dogs, loves animals. Nobody has a problem with that unless you're autistic, then, oh, they're obsessed with animals. We can't get them away from animals. We should do behavior modification because they want to talk to every dog. Yeah. Just because they're autistic, it's not okay, but it's okay for another child who is not autistic to be obsessed with trains. Like every um, like every kid has like things they really like. Like any parent of any 
kids under the age of like eight mm-hmm. has had to watch some movie, usually a Disney movie, about five hundred times. Yeah, and I'm not exaggerating because mm-hmm. their kid loves it. Yes, I I think Torin that the reason it's a problem for the autistic child to have a special interest is because the adults are really upset that they can't get the child to be interested in something they want them to be interested in. And that's why they make goals of get them to expand their play and interest. So if I walked up to a grown person, an adult, a teacher that works alongside me, and I said, oh, I know you like football, but you know what? You've been following football like for the last 20 years. I need you to find another interest. I need you to find another interest. I think it's just gone too too long. You need to find another interest. What would they say? Who knows? Like I, I, I'm imagining that too as a huge football fan. Like someone comes up to me, is like, "Listen, you've been watching the Jets your whole life. The team is cheeks. They ain't never winning a Super Bowl. You need to get into like I don't know crocheting or something mm-hmm. like that." And I say, "But I'm not into crocheting." But you need to expand your palate. Mm-hmm. If, if I told, if someone told me that, or if I told someone that, like, they'd look at me like I'm an asshole, and rightfully so. Yeah. So I, I kind of understand that why people do that. If it's not, if if what they're, if what the child's obsessed with isn't like destroying their quality of life, I get maybe it might be a little annoying. But if it's not destroying the child's quality of life or delaying their development in any way, shape, or form. I don't get what the panic over having ah, a special interest is. But that's exactly it. Therapists, doctors, psychologists tell parents it is hindering their development. Oh, if they're just going to play with trains all day, then they're never going to learn to socialize with friends. Well, then. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm sorry. That's just how yeah. I feel. That's really how. Yeah. There's a reason I call these people the alphabet people because mm-hmm. they have a whole can of alphabet soup after their name. Mm-hmm. Yet they just yet they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And it's not all therapists. A lot of therapists are great, mm-hmm. but a lot of them aren't. Let's just be yeah. real. You know it. Yeah. I know it. Everyone listening knows it. Yeah, I, I am the one, you know, I mean, I'm on the, you know, for lack of a better term, on, on the front line. I'm the one that hears the parents say, um, in fact, the other day, uh, um, a mom said, well, because I said, oh, you know, he, and I know this is not necessarily uh special interest, but in terms of restricting something that a child is gravitated to. And her kiddo wanted to swing all the time and go outside. And the therapist and psychologist said, oh, no, 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 put all those swings outside. He has to earn that. And I thought, what in the hell? And the mom, you know, this is what always breaks my heart. And this is why I do the work I do. The mom knew in her gut instinct, it felt wrong. But she didn't have the words, the empowerment, and a way to articulate to say, no, I think I'm going to like let him do the swing, right? I don't think that he needs to earn the swing. And during the session, she literally pulled a swing inside and said, let him swing. I said, yes. Like, I, I don't understand hiding the trains. I have parents who've been told to hide their trains, like put out different toys. This is the way I look at it. And I tell parents this, listen. Your child is into penguins, trains, weather. I don't care what they're in. From my perspective, what an easy way to decide what to get them for Christmas or their birthday. I love it when kids have a theme. I know everything I'm going to get you is unicorns. Everything I'm going to get you is blue. Everything is going to be trains and automobiles. That's so easy. Children don't have to have 
every single toy in the world. And they certainly don't have to play with everything that everyone else plays with. Adults don't do that. You love baseball. I don't. I don't go to baseball games, right? You go to baseball games. I choose to participate in the things and the interests that I have based on what my brain, emotions, desires gravitate to, and so should our children. And this is what I want to, the listeners to understand. The, the special interest, the trains, the weather, right? One, it could lead to a job. Two, yes, they will be able to make friends with other people who like baseball or trains, like all of us do. People who like football, what do they do? Hang out with people who love to tailgate. Seriously. It's tailgate is fun. I suggest, even if you're not in the football, I said to try it sometime. Mm-hmm. But the, <laughs> the, 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 the thing is that that sort of shocks me the most is what you say. It, everyone's obsessed with autistic kids need to make friends. And I actually agree. I do think um, most people, even autistic people, do well having at least some companionship. Mm-hmm. But that special interest is a way into yes. it because there are other people, especially like I hear people worrying about their children's special interests when it's something like common, like let's say trains, for example. Trains is, is like a stereotypical one. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to say stereotypical because a lot of autistic people, including myself, including a lot of my male autistic friends, did grow up loving trains. I still do. It's still my special interest. Mm-hmm. But there are whole communities, especially now with, with social media, there are whole communities of people who like trains. It's a common thing that people are into. Mm-hmm. So I don't get why you want to cut them off from something that could help them socialize. I've made so many friends especially when I was younger, because I could go up to somebody who's wearing a similar sports jersey to what I'm wearing mm-hmm. and strike up a conversation that way. It's mm-hmm. an easy way for me with my meager social skills to be able to... I once made friends with somebody who I was walking uh, on campus in college. Uh, I've just gotten done watching a Jet game, a particularly bad one. And I saw this chick wearing a uh, wearing Jets jersey mm-hmm. and went up to her randomly. I was like, well, that sucked. Mm-hmm. And we both started laughing. We've been friends ever since because it was something to connect with. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't get why they worry about that when it's, like you said, easy to get gifts for them. And it's something they can use to make friends and something they might even go into a career. I hate, I hate bringing that up because I know it's a big concern for parents is their kids getting a job. Mm-hmm. But I really hate the idea that like everything someone does have to train them to be a good worker. Yeah. I really yeah. hate that. Even though it is true, your, your special interest can help you get a job, but doesn't have to, it's still valid if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, for some reason during our time off, I just stopped giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where that happened, but it just happened. Yeah. And I'm just less sympathetic to this BS. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. to, to, this, to this conformist BS. I don't know if it's, the time off. I don't know if it's just gave me some time to think. I don't know if I've just been watching the news lately mm-hmm. and I'm at a point where I'm just like, wow, this is just about control and making yeah. everybody into like a certain type of person. Exactly. And I'm just sick of it. But yep. like, I don't have sympathy. Like if you shouldn't have problems with special interests unless it's a problem. Like if there's special interests is, I don't know, jumping off really high places. <laughs> yeah, I would say that might be an issue. You might want to if not change, it's sort of work around it. Maybe go rock climbing, something like that. Mm-hmm. So they're not like eating themselves off the top of swings. That could be bad. Mm-hmm. But if it's like something innocuous, I knew a kid, I knew of a kid who was into deep back rockets. 
I think that's stupid. But as long as they're not dunking their body parts into the deep back mm -hmm. fryer, I don't see the problem with that. Yeah. So this is where the perspective of people see it as a problem comes from. Besides the fact that professionals who don't know autism say stupid things because they don't know what they're talking about. Well, professionals However, who do know autism say stupid things too. Well, that is true. So what happens is, yes, there is the fear that the special interest will prevent them from having friends, right? Well, none of the other kids talk about trains. Okay, fine. So when they find a friend that talks about trains, that'll be their friend, right? Like, oh my gosh, nobody's making like best friends at age three. Like friendship is not something you have to start. And oh my gosh, it's the end of the world if you don't have a friend by the time you're 10, right? We grow, we change, we realize, we pick and choose what we want. The other part, and I'm, that's separate from socializing. I'm not talking about socializing. In regards to the socializing, parents will sometimes feel, or therapists or educators that, well, you know, the special interest is preventing them from doing the things that we need to do, the non-preferred activities. I'm like, okay, first of all, none of us like doing non-preferred activities. None of us. Hence the name. Thank you. So... For our kiddos, right, teens, adults, but our kiddos specifically in terms of them wanting to do the same thing over and over again or play with the same thing over and over again or talk about the same thing over and over again, that is their thing. And they will be able to socialize with folks who will join in one way or the other, right? And as they get older, they'll make adjustments as needed if they're internally motivated. However, what I think is... Based on my, um, what's that new term, lived experience and <laughs> um, talking with parents, what I get the sense of and when I kind of dig with parents is that when I dig into like what's really going on, a lot of times it's simply because the parents don't know about dinosaurs or trains and they don't know how to connect and there's already sort of this feeling of disconnect because of the communication differences, right? So I think part of it is this, parents just want to engage with their kids, right? I, I think of it in terms of if, if uh, and this is a very stereotypical scenario, but it happens all the time, why it's stereotypical. Um, men who are jocks have um, sons who are nerds, right? They don't know what to do with their sons. They don't know what to talk about. They have nothing in common. And so what I say is you have to find something outside of both of your interests and learn something new together, whether it's cooking, whether it's making things, whatever your kid likes to do, right? If they like trains, craft with trains, right? You may like to craft. They don't want to craft and make whatever butterflies or whatever you had in mind when you dreamed about what you would do with your children, but adjust, right? Make things with trains. So I think it also is parents are coming in with, I'm not sure how to communicate and connect with my child. Then a professional says, oh, we need to stop that. That's really, really bad. And they're not able to see the big picture of the fact that all of us gravitate to people who have the same interest. Yes, you meet new people who have different interests and you expose yourself outside your comfort zone if you're willing to go there, most people are not. Most people are in the interest that their parents were and they do the same thing. So it's hard for parents when their child is interested in the weather at age three and the parents have nothing in common to talk about about the weather. 
but they're yeah, that was me. I, I admittedly, uh, I had a uh, a period of my life that I'm not particularly proud of, where I was obsessed with the weather and wanted to be a meteorologist. And we all have embarrassing things. Like most people have emo periods. My period was watching the Weather Channel endlessly for four or five hours straight. When mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, I may have been around. Uh, what what year was Hurricane Katrina? That was 2004, 2005. So I would have been like 12, 13 mm-hmm. in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that, was, that was around the period. Because I think part of it was, and this is off topic, it was fascinating because at the height of this was when Hurricane Katrina was landing mm-hmm. and watching the, the people on the Weather Channel get more and more panicky, like on air. Towards like the day before, it, it looked like one of those like disaster movies, like the run yeah. up to the disaster, where they're like, "This is all, like they were even they were even talking about that." Where it's like, "This is like one of those disaster movies or those mm-hmm. nightmares you wake up." And I think it made a, a sort of a macabre way. It fascinated me in sort of messed up way. I I, I don't know, funny. but um, yeah, I was really I, I I had a period where I was really into like weather and into hurricanes in particular. Mm-hmm. I still a little bit am, uh, but yeah. That 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 that's my confession. We've we've all had our uh, cringe uh, time periods. That was mine. Uh, and you know, I, I don't. I look at it as maybe not a. Cringe, it was cringe. It was oh, incredibly gosh. cringe. That is hysterical. I can see you two sitting in front of the television. I I think that you know, like you said, the other part you just mentioned in terms of parents are concerned about how much time, right? Well, you know, I mean, they're just spending hours and hours and hours and and they're not connecting, communicating, playing. Well, when I was a child, we had hours and hours and hours and hours outside if we were not at school. Children now are not outside for hours by themselves. Um, We don't live in that kind of society in most places. Um, I was driving on my trip. I was like, gosh, how great it must be to be a kid in this area where you could just play outside all day and feel safe. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of time, a lot of hours, right. When parents have to take care of household things and their own, you know, personal, um, needs where they feel they should be engaging their children in different things. But the reality is kids typically just grow up playing outside, digging in the dirt, figuring out, coming up with stuff with other kids. And that's what you do. There's not a lot of adult intervening in their play. We've just become that society because children are inside all the time and parents feel based off of books, social media, that they should literally engage their children every five seconds. No, you don't have to do that. And so I think it sometimes feels that, um, you know, it's too much time, but also, uh, you know, back to parents feel like there's no connection. I mean, I've, I've, you know, sat with moms and they're like, well, you know, and I'm like, well, then you need to learn about it. Like, just learn about it. I mean, I've told this story and, and some of our listeners may not have heard this story. I've shared it in trainings. Uh, my student, Noah, this is a perfect example of how their special interest can facilitate it, isn't his special interest weather too? Yes, it is the weather. Yes. Oh yeah, he's gonna 
I, I feel bad for him. He's gonna be like twenty five and then look back at that and just have his head in his hands, like, oh Jesus Christ. He actually has several special interests. However, he's obsessed right now with um and I mean obsessed like in a obsessed way with climate change. Like it's hysterical. He just loves to talk about climate change. So anyway, Noah loves to talk about the weather. Uh, I've been working with Noah for years. And Noah, when you come in, you say hello. And Noah says, you know, hi, Miss Stacy. Uh, well, the temperature today, the due process, blah, 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 right? So socially, that's a little awkward, right? Because no one just says hello and starts telling you the weather report from the morning. So what I ended up doing was adjusting my greeting. And I would just say, hi, Noah. So how's the weather today? because I know he needs to get it out. I know he needs to share that information. It's something exciting to him, right? So I'm gonna make it fit into the social realm of, I wanna know about the weather because I know Noah can tell me. And that is how we have been having our conversations. And over the years, what has been interesting is without me having to do anything or teach anything, because I'm always open to listening to Noah talk about the weather. Now Noah asks me about my day. Now Noah wants to know, what am I having for dinner? Because I took an interest in something he was interested in, and then he reciprocated. That's called a relationship, a rapport. That is called social engagement. And it's a wonderful thing. I don't care about the weather, Torin. I mean, I really don't, especially the weather in Houston. I don't live in Houston. It's hot and humid. That's what the yeah. weather is in Houston but all I care, the time. Exactly. But I care about connecting and relating to Noah. So I'm going to listen to him talk about the weather. I'm going to engage about well, the weather. You expect me to have to engage on a topic that I don't care about. That, that's not fair to me. They should be engaging me with topics that they don't care about because yeah. I'm the one who should be accommodated. Of course, of course, of course. Yes, that's what non-autistic people think. And we have to remember, they are the person with a diagnosis, a disability. They are the person that needs support. So just make the adjustment, learn about the weather. I, or let him teach you. Sometimes I'm like, you know what, Noah? I don't know what you just said about the weather. What is the dew pressure? Explain that to me. Ooh, I, I will say that's opening Pandora's box. If you give, it's called info dumping. If you give an yeah. autistic person an excuse mm -hmm. to info dump. I know. If you're going to be there for a while, he's going to give a TED talk, like an I, impromptu I think, TED talk. I think I really like info dumping because even though I'm not autistic, I'm a huge info dumper and I'm an info dumper on strangers in the grocery store, <laughs> not asked for any information. Yeah. I, I just, try, I try not to only mm -hmm. because like for a couple of reasons, one, I'm a writer mm -hmm. and in writing, that's also a phrase info dumping where especially in like my, my genre is sci-fi fantasy where that's done a lot. It's a really lazy way to tell about the world. And mm -hmm. readers usually hate it because mm -hmm. it's boring and every it feels feels like they're being fed information through a garden hose. Mm -hmm. So I think because of my writing and because I have to avoid info dumping in the writing, it sort of carries over in my speech where I have to be very careful where I give large blocks of just info. Yeah. yeah. Um it can be it, it can be difficult sometimes because like I'll get excited over something. Like me and my aunt are talking about politics. My aunt isn't really into politics, but she likes mm -hmm. to like doom watch MSNBC. 
-hmm. and one of my special interests is politics. I'm starting to sense a theme here. There's something about like macabre that I seem to be attracted to. Like the worse things are, and the more like surreal things are, the more interesting I find it. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, it's hard for me not to start just info dumping about why something works a certain way or why someone's saying a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And I have to sort of like rein that in because she, she really doesn't care. Most people don't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it super fascinating and like it gets me going. So I try not to, but it can be difficult. But yeah, I it, it'll be, it's a good way to connect with an autistic child because not only does it allow them to talk to you, it makes them feel seen and validated, whether they have the words for that or not, that mm-hmm. you at least are pretending to care about their special mm-hmm. interests. But to play devil's advocate, I'm, not, I'm being serious here, I'm not going to be sarcastic. To play mm-hmm. devil's advocate, I can see concerns about making friends in school and stuff like mm-hmm. that, because like I can imagine being in school at the time when I was really into weather, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever told people what the weather is. I didn't do it like that, but I can imagine if I went up to people and said, the weather in New York today is, I would get to know what the weather at the bottom of some dude's Tim was because I'd be getting stomped out. Like that, that, that's how it works. So for, for a lot of kids, especially where I grew up. So I, I, I do get the concern that they need to be able to almost like, there's a phrase we use in like, I think they use it in a lot of different communities, but in the Black community, we use it a lot. Any, any Black listeners will know this phrase instantly, code switching, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you talk a certain way with your homies and the people you grew up around, and you talk another way, like at your job or around like white people in general. Mm-hmm. So, and kind of just as you get older, you learn how to just switch between the two. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to do that as an autistic person at a certain point. And this is the, this this goes into like masking, which we'll do an episode on at some point if we haven't already. I don't remember, but you have to be able to code switch from like autistic, where you're info dumping and you're excited and socializing, just looks like you blurting out a bunch of stuff, and then the other autistic person blurts out a bunch of stuff and it sounds like a bunch a bunch of schizophrenics got hopped up on speed, to like talking to normal people, where you expect the back and forth, and you have and you can't info dump. And you have to like at least pretend to care about what they're saying, and they pretend to care about what you're saying. And it, it takes some time to develop that too. So one of the things to remember is like no five year old can do that. Just like no five year old black kid knows how to code switch. You yeah. don't know that. You learn that as you get older. Yes. And some people learn it better than others. Some people don't learn that at all. Um, but it comes it, it, it comes with experience. So you also have to take that in mind as well. All right, I'm going to push back a little bit. I love it when we have these discussions. Everything you said is very, very valid. Very, very valid. Valid. What I like to think about is if we remember a lot of our kids, especially because they're maturity level, right? Like they're still growing. Um, info dumping may be the only way they can actually verbally communicate with you because it's scripts for them to pull. It's something they know. If you've ever heard Karen Rose, he will tell you that his fluent verbal speech is not like this if he's not talking about autism. But when he's talking about something he knows, then it's easy to go and communicate. So I remind parents, your child is talking to you about trains and the weather or hurricanes or whatever it is that they're talking about because that is easier for them. So do you want them to not talk to you 
or do you want to talk about trains or listen to them talk about trains? Now, with their peers, this is what I say. And this is where I am of everyone who listens knows. I am all about supporting children, but I also believe in naturalistic situations, consequences, whatever you want to call them. If anyone who is non-autistic does something with peers that does not give them what they want from the peers, after a couple of times, they're going to figure out and make adjustments or they're going to walk away and go find someone else. It's no different for our children, right? They're going to gravitate to the child that is sensory safe, but also the quiet kid who'll just listen to them info dump. The problem is then everyone says, oh my gosh, they're obsessed with Bobby. You just said you wanted him to find friends. Bobby is his friend. Now you're mad because he's not friends with everyone in the class. That's the cycle that continues. So the info dumping, if we, I'm not, I understand exactly what you're saying. If we are, when you said the code switching, this is my caution around um, uh, sort of uh, teaching the bullshit concept that our society works on, right? People go out, they date, uh, she goes to the baseball games with you. She don't like baseball, but she likes you and she goes to the baseball games. Now you've been together for three years, you decide to move in together. She don't wanna go to the baseball games. You're like, why do you wanna go see baseball? Well, I don't like baseball. Well, then why did you say you like baseball? Well, I really wanted you to like me. Okay, now we have a situation where you should have just said, I don't like baseball. And then it's over, it's done. One of the best things I've ever seen is on Love in the Spectrum where they went on a date and they met each other. And he said, I don't know, I'm into anime. And she said, oh, I don't like anime. And they both said, okay, this date's over. They both knew if you don't like anime, there's nothing we have to talk about. I don't care what, what else, whatever else we may have in common. Anime is my thing and I need you to be with me on anime, right? Wish more people did that. We would have less divorces. But, but back to children deserve to talk about what they're interested in. And if you allow it, if you engage in it, if you just act like you're paying attention, they actually will be willing to take a risk and possibly talk about something else as they grow older or even when they're little because they know you're not going to stop them from talking about trains. I agree. I don't disagree with that. I think my concern is more down the road. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of parents have that concern too of everyone uses scripts to a certain amount, mm -hmm. but will they learn to be able to have some ability to go off script? Mm -hmm. And here's, I'm going to lay out my bias right now. I do use scripts. I'm a bit more subtle about it. Mm -hmm. I hate people who, and this is not just autistic people. I shouldn't say hate. But I can't stand when I'm talking to someone about something and they're obviously just scripting. What is a script? A script is something you have received mm -hmm. that you haven't chewed over critically. You're mm -hmm. just repeating it. Mm -hmm. I mentioned my special interest is politics, right? I will tell you right now, most people don't know about politics. They mm -hmm. say they do, they don't. When you actually talk to them, it's like you can... If you're into it and you listen to a lot of different political pundits, you could tell where they got that 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 opinion from. 
you tell, oh, you got that from Tucker Carlson's show. You're repeating mm-hmm. it almost word for word. I heard him say that last night. Yeah. Um, you got that from so-and-so. I don't mean to just pick on the right wing. So if you only allow someone to just use scripts, and this is not just for autistic people, it's for people in general, but it's for autistic people, there's a chance they're going to grow up like that. Like I have friends who just repeat stuff that they heard on a YouTube video online. And they, 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 they it's almost like there's something missing. They're not engaging with the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's I, it's almost a little bit sad. So, yeah, and like but I said- pe- but, but there are people in the world, Torin, that are boring and uninteresting and nobody invites them to the dinner party. That I is know, and I don't want that for your kids though. That's well, the thing. The reality is uh, our children are going to be who they're going to be. As a mom, uh, I can tell enough. you. I mean, they're going to be who they're going to be in their personality. And you said something a second ago in terms of, you know, the making adjustments, which goes back to if a child is motivated internally to want to be a part of something with their peers, they will make the adjustment whether they're comfortable or uncomfortable with it, because they really want to be there. So that's where I say the natural consequence situation. If some, if uh, I've told the story before about my kiddo with the, with the, the HGTV, right. And, and playing ball and wants to play ball with his friends. And I said, don't talk about it. Cause he, he was into HGTV and just like the weather situation he just says hey you know did you see that show on hgtv okay the other boys or fifth graders like what so he wants to play football i said okay you go in get join the game don't talk about hgtv don't talk about it right so he gets in the game blah blah blah. he plays there's a pause what does he do and i can see it i mean i'm just like sitting on the sidelines like oh no 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 he says did you see that episode of hgtv Well, the kid walks away, right? Now, sometimes, what is that term? Growing pains. He wasn't abused. He wasn't, you know, whatever. Yeah, he was a little disappointed that he didn't get to continue the game. But you know what? The next time he played, he didn't bring up HGTV and I didn't have to tell him because he really wanted to play. So human beings will do things they are motivated to do. And if they are into trains, they're gonna crawl over, climb under, break through to get to the train. They are going to, and they should, because you shouldn't have put it in the closet on the top shelf. That makes sense too, because I agree with you that you can't teach internal motivation. I'm a believer of that as much nope, as you, you like cannot. to. Someone either- That's what some, people wanna do. You can't. Yeah, some, some people were born either you either have the motivation to want things or you don't. And I, I've kind of learned that. And it's, it's a little bit frustrating because you'll see people who are like, you just don't have that sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. If, you just, if you just had a little bit more fire, but it, it's just, it, it's how people are. Yeah. So I 100% agree with you on that. Um, but yeah, the thing, I, I, I've sort of laid out my concerns, mm-hmm. but you, you are right. And I think a bigger issue is, like I said, it, it takes time to, to yeah. go into that. You have mm-hmm. to, because for them, I use scripts. I don't want to let people think that I'm, I'm like pulling all this out of my ass. Yeah. Some of it I am, of an uncomfortably large amount of it I am, but a lot of what I say are stuff I've heard. Just like most people. Mm-hmm. I use turn of phrases most people use. Mm-hmm. I'm not creating stuff wholesale. 
what I try to do and what I feel like my friends who exercise their capacity for critical thinking do is you take bits and pieces, you take the stuff that works. And this is where I want to get every person to, autistic or not, take the stuff that works, get rid of the stuff that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And eventually, once you're old enough and you've made enough different combinations, mm-hmm. you create a personality out of that. Yeah. Where yeah. it's a personality that they can't just point to and say, you pulled this whole thing wholesale from yeah. something else. Maybe that's what you start with. Like when they're younger, they're going to start with that. They're going to start with someone they saw on TV. Just like to relate it to writing again, most young writers, when they first start out, they try mm-hmm. to sound like a certain author. So, so did ah, I. That's true. So, yeah. so did I. I, yeah. was, I was no different. I tried to sound like Dustin Burroughs, who's a, a, a memoirist. Because that's, I'm like, oh, I like this person. I relate to this person. I want to try to sound like them. Over time, you develop your own, what's known as a writer's voice. Mm-hmm. I feel like the same way with actual voice and personality. Over time, you develop your own. So once again, I would say give them time. I just am a, a little bit concerned about this idea that, and some of my views are also colored by uh, the autism community online, which mm-hmm. isn't real life. It, it's mm-hmm. just not real life of, being content with enough, be basically good enough. I, I, I'm always a fan of good enough is, is not good enough, personally. So mm-hmm. that does worry me. But I would say you also can't rush. Like, you can't take a five-year-old and make them the the the, the debutante. You can't make them the, the talk of the town. Like Everybody can't. doesn't want to go to the party. Exactly. Everybody doesn't want to go to the party. Like I don't and, go. I don't go to parties. I don't do any of that stuff. At least not anymore. I don't like. You know, I'm I, a very socially isolated creature by choice at this yeah, point. Yeah, I I think it is. You know, in terms of, you know, the interest and 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 I was just sort of um, thinking uh, popped in my head while you were talking that I was speaking with a mom, and her son likes numbers and letters, right? And so she was saying that the speech therapist was having difficulty um, engaging him. And I said, oh, well, you know, what is she doing? Well, you know, she's trying to get him, you know, to play with this, you know, and to do this. And I said, so she doesn't use the numbers and the letters as a like, oh, my gosh, she's already internally motivated. Like, you don't even have to have a reinforcement. She's like, well, you know, she said that we need him to talk about other things. And then he gets distracted with the numbers and the letters. And I said, okay, that's the huge mistake. You can use that special interest to actually facilitate skills, teach to get communication going. And, and I, you know, my little Emerson that I, like I said, I love it when kids have a theme. It makes my planning easy for everything, whether it's gifts or activities. If Emerson loves shapes, I mean shapes, we even made up a shape song. Shapes, 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 ooh, shapes. He loved shapes. So what did we do? Everything we did from matching, from counting, from communicating, from adjectives, shapes were involved because he was excited about shapes. He would, as I say, come to the table. I never work at the table with kids. I love to be on the floor and because he's little. And so having that, I don't have to use a reward. I mean, I'm not, this is not about me and not using rewards. My point is the special interest that everyone seems to want to go away can be very useful and it is also very purposeful. And my sort of final contention is 
we need to stop obsessing over people's special interest. My friend's daughter loves unicorns. She's not autistic. That girl's got unicorn everything from her backpack to her rain boots, to her umbrella, to her chair bean bag, to the curtains in her room. Everything is unicorns. Nobody seems to want to change that. I know kids who love Mickey Mouse. I know grown folks who love Mickey Mouse when they were kids and they still go to Disney World. Because it's socially, accept those are socially acceptable uh, special interests. But they're socially acceptable that people know about because like you said before, there's lots of geeky nerd people who are in the train convention. There are people that go to a stamp convention. People have different interests. You just gotta find that person who has the interest that you have and I'm not saying, Torin, that we don't have to help our children adapt. What I'm saying is just because it's like sports, I'm not into sports, right? That leaves me out of a lot of social activities. But so what? I don't like sports. I go to other social activities that I do like, right? And, and that is just like the Jazz Fest. I love Jazz Fest. I love live music. I love being outside. Many of my friends don't do the good jazz fest. I don't care. It's what I like to do. And it's what I enjoy doing. Other people like it. We need to allow our children to engage in things that are enjoyable. And we need to make our adjustment. They're children. Are they not children? And we are the adults that are supposed to be more mature. Remind me, am I wrong? No, I, I agree. I think I'm not disagreeing. I think one thing we're both missing, I want to bring this up before we mm -hmm. get going is that when we say someone who likes Disney, who, who grew up liking Disney and now they're an adult and they like Disney, they're an adult. So adults are sort of allowed to make their own decisions. The problem is how we mm -hmm. treat kids. And this goes yes. back to the theme that comes up in this podcast is mm -hmm. we want to conform them to something. Mm -hmm. So having a special interest that we don't like ourselves, we don't deem as appropriate, Mm -hmm. makes it so we want to conform them to like appropriate things. Mm -hmm. yeah. Once they're an adult, we don't care. Like, yeah. I, I, I know a dude who's he's in his 20s who, I don't know if he's autistic, but I've met him. Dude's almost certainly autistic. He just might not be diagnosed. He's obsessed with John Cena. I mean, John Cena, everything. He dresses like him. He has, like, John Cena shirts. Mm -hmm. He, he kind of looks like John Cena. That's the funny thing. Like, physically, he kind of legitimately looks like John Cena. Um... And no one kind of says every, anything. The only thing would say anything are other wrestling fans who don't like John Cena who like to break his balls about it. Mm -hmm. But um, no one says anything because he's an adult. Yes. So like, well, he wants to dress like that. He dressed like that. He's not hurting anybody. But if a child did that, especially if a child had some social deficits, we'd be like, oh, we got to fix that. We That, mm -hmm. that can't happen. Mm -hmm. So I think the number one thing we focus on is just letting kids be themselves, mm -hmm. especially if it's not, like I said, it's not harming their development in some mm -hmm. way, shape or form. I think you said something and I'm going to reframe it. You said adults are doing it and it is appropriate, right? It's an appropriate. I don't think it even has to do with appropriate. I think it has to do well for some people. Yes. But I think mostly it is why is my child not interested in the same thing I'm interested in? That's, I mean, that's where it stems from because a lot of people think their children are little mini versions of themselves. And but that's what we're told in society. We're told, 
your child should be a reflection of you. Yes, but we are 2023 and we can read and have access and start to reframe the way we think about parenting and our children. I'm not saying people can't think that way. I'm saying that that is another one of the, that's really what it's all about. It's about now I have a, as a parent have to go outside my comfort zone to make an adjustment and learn about horses because my child likes to talk about horses and a lot of people don't like to do that. And that can be anything simple as I don't want to have to like get up on Saturday and Sunday. Now that I have a kid, I want to sleep in still. Well, you damn don't get to do that. Right. You got to get <laughs> exactly. behind up. See, you this is why I don't want kids. This is why I don't want to have kids. It's nothing against it. It's I think maybe because I'm on the spectrum. I it, if I had a kid and like they weren't into sports, I don't think I'd be able to relate to that kid. Mm-hmm. Like you told me a story of a kid whose younger brother, or maybe it was his older brother, was in the basketball and they wanted to play together, but the autistic kid wasn't in the basketball, so they sort of changed the rules. I'd be like, no, we're doing this the way it's supposed to be done. Like I would mm-hmm. like I would go full autism. I'm admitting mm-hmm. that right now. I'm like, you either like it or get food. Yeah. So this is why, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not having kids. I'd be, I'd be, like, I'd be a terrible father. Like, oh, you, you don't want to watch sports? Go, go play with your iPad, which unfortunately wouldn't make me that much different than a lot of parents. It's like, That's here's true. the iPad. Go play on the iPad. Leave me alone. Let me watch my sports teams. Mm-hmm. So there is, I, I choose um, just not become become a parent because I know what's going to happen already. Yes, exactly. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I will, I will, um, uh, sort of finish with. Uh, uh, I don't know if if the listeners or if you have ever seen that show, not the Sheldon, like the younger version of Sheldon on the oh, young movie. Sheldon, yeah, the young Sheldon. And so there's a episode where he wants to go and see um, a space shuttle or a lecture. There's something he wants to see, and of course his dad's like, oh, because his dad's a sports person. And what was so interesting was, you know, the dad brought him. Um, And the dad actually was like, oh my gosh, this is really fascinating, right? So the dad, like, I mean, I know this is a sitcom, but that happens, right? Like, I mean, that, I mean, it's one of the things that I think I love about my students is I learn about different stuff that I never would have learned about, like, uh, you know, the weather pressure. I I mean, like, I'm like, oh, I'm not interested now. I know and understand it because no explained it to me. Um, My my oldest uh, son was, two years old, he was really into um, horses, 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 horses. Like he wanted to consume everything he could about horses. I mean, we had a horse encyclopedias. We went to the horse farm, we went to the rodeo, horses, 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 horses. And my mom would get him these little baby books on horses. And he said, can you tell mama not to get the baby books? I want the grown up ones. Like he was an early reader and he wanted to learn about the horses. Well, after he consumed everything he consumed and needed to consume about horses, he moved on to dinosaurs, then decided to want to be a paleontologist. Boring. When I'm talking about watching VH videos of paleontologist dig which is boring. And you're, you're, not, you're not even doing that most of the time. My friends in the dinosaurs, who told me this, the so live autistic people in the dinosaurs, mm-hmm. you're actually only digging like a few months yeah. out of the year. Most of the time, you're just teaching in colleges. Yeah. So he, that was his thing. So I will never forget the kids in the neighborhood knocked on the door and they said, can we come over to play? And he said, yeah, I have a new um, paleontologist video. And they were like, oh, and they walked away. And you know what my son did? 
whatever, and went and watched his video because that was his thing. Children who are really into something don't always need other people to relish in it for them to enjoy it, right? So if your child is happy and they're enjoying something, let them enjoy it. Use it to your advantage to build communication and social engagement and just let them be themselves. Really just let them be themselves. And it's really amazing when you just sit back and allow that, you actually get more back from them. And I, I agree with that too, because I really think a lot of special interests too are extensions of our natural personalities. Mm -hmm. So trying to change that is trying to change the personality of the child. For example, I like politics. Remember, I talk about the macabre and how I make jokes about the bad sports teams. It's because my I have a cloudy disposition. That's just my personality. I may hope for the best, expect the worst sort of guy. Like that's not going to change. So my special interests reflect that. They tend to be things that are a bit dark or things that have like a dark humorous bend to it. But that's just who I am. Yeah. So understanding my special interests, that's how you understand the type of person I am. And mm -hmm. I feel like it works with, with a lot of autistic people I know and a lot of the autistic kids I work with when I still work with kids. Mm -hmm. It's part like it reflected like you saw what their interests were and then you got to know them. And you're like, oh, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just use that interest and it saves you money. If they play with the same trains over and over, guess what? You don't have to spend any more money on toys. I mean, you do. You got to buy more trains. But as opposed to most children who like something for a year, you buy them a bunch of stuff. And then next year, it's completely different stuff. So now you're born a bunch of stuff. If you buy an autistic kid something they like, they're going to play with it for a bunch of years because our interests, while they do change, they don't tend to change as fickly as, I don't know, fickly is a word, as most people's do mm -hmm. where they go from thing year to year. So I'm going to share with you a little, um, I don't know how to phrase it, something I have recognized. Um, I recognized that children and and i'm generalizing of course with the gender of boys versus girls so i find that boys and i'm talking about boys who are not autistic switch their interests like pokemon pokemon up oh, don't want pokemon anymore now i want to do wrestling oh now i don't want wrestling anymore. but they come back to the pokemon right like they cycle through their interests so they may like this for a little bit don't want anymore like this for a little bit but then they come back to it Whereas girls who are not autistic tend to have, this is what they like and we go and they build on it, right? And then it flips with autistic kids. I find that the girls switch interest much more often than the boys do. Yeah. Yeah, we, well, we don't like, we don't basically switch interest very often. We basically, we, we gain interest as we get older. So the old, if, the, if you meet a male autistic who's like in there, like, like I'm 31, we have like four or five things we're really into, but we started with like one and we just sort of collect a different one every few years. So mm -hmm. I started with trains and then I got into weather and then I got into firearms mm -hmm. and then I got in a bunch of people just cringed right now. And then I got into sports and then I got into politics. So mm -hmm. like I have like five that I'm like really into, 
and I'll probably pick up a few more as my life goes on, but we kind of don't get rid of them. We might like favor some a little bit more than others, but I've noticed we kind of don't get rid of the special interests. And, and uh, sorry. No, no, no. Do you think they connect to one another as well? Like it just builds on or? Oh, yeah, I, I, I do think like, also history is another special interest of mine. Well, history and politics were even taught mm -hmm. in school because I majored in history is that history, politics, economics are like uh, three schools on the same ladder. So mm -hmm. it would make sense if you're in if you're in the one, you're probably going to be in the all three. So that's an easy one. But like I said, I think there's something of like the macabre mm -hmm. of there's something dark. Like I said, I'm in the firearms, in particular military firearms, um, which an autistic dude who's in the firearms in this day and age a little bit, uh, yeah. Um, but there's there's definitely a connection. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm into like a lot of like darker themes. I'm mm -hmm. into a lot of like I said the sports team I root for. So when it comes to sports, it tends to come your fandom tends to be determined by two things usually: either your parents or a fan of the team, mm -hmm. or that that's usually what it is. Or you or you saw the team win a championship as a kid, and now you're a fan for life. Mm -hmm. For me, I became fans. These my my parents weren't fans weren't sports fans. I became a fan of the Mets after I'm not gonna go into the details, but after like one of the most heartbreaking losses in their history. And I became a fan for life. Uh I became a fan of basically all the teams I became a fan of was after they lost something, something big. I think because there's something because I maybe because of my upbringing or just my personality, there's something about the sitting in the misery, hoping things get better. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I've never been, I've never liked teams that are always good. Like, I'm from New York, so the Yankees are sort of like the big team. They've won more championships than any team in professional sports around the world, not just in America. Like, they are the team. Everyone knows the Yankees symbol, the mm -hmm. NY. And I hate that. I never wanted to be a Yankee fan. Because they, for me, there's just something not interesting about winning all the time. As awesome as it is, there's something special about going through the shit and yep. watching your team go through it and then it turning and then when you do win how good it is i feel like there's a theme for a lot of my uh a lot of my special interests that is a theme of something dark mm -hmm. but hoping that there's, there's a light at the end of the day ah. and like i said that could be just reflection of how my life is of how my life turns out, how my personality sounds like is. your childhood. It's yeah. dark. I hope there's light at the end of the tunnel somewhere. I know. <laughs> there's a whole, a whole lot of this sucks. Oh, wait. That's the name of your autobiography. It's this dark. Sucks. Where's the light? <laughs> no, you mean this sucks. Like a whole lot of disappointment. <laughs> but like, I feel like there's a lot of that. Like I'm in yeah. politics because politics are, a lot of people don't like it, especially now because it's so dark. Mm -hmm. But there's something, I don't know, there's something about that and the hope that things get better because mm -hmm. you see, it just seems like there's just bad, bad, bad. And mm -hmm. then you'll see some good signs. And well, good signs, depending on where your political leanings are, I'm not going to go into mm -hmm. that. Anybody who's listening to this podcast can infer where my political leanings are. But you'll just see like bad, bad, bad. Mm -hmm. And then you'll, you'll see a glimmer of hope. And that's what, and, and that's like, that's what hooks me. Yeah. It's those moments where you see maybe things can get better. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something with my personal special interest that mm -hmm. does attract me to it. Yeah. It's this idea that as bad as things are, things could get better. Things can, mm -hmm. and we work for it, things can get better. So 
yeah, I, I, I definitely noticed that a lot of my uh, particular sports and politics have the same theme. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, and, and I, I understand people drop off podcast right now, but like, uh, I am begrudgingly a Democrat, and it feels like I'm rooting for a losing team. That's what it feels like. It just feels like they find ways to lose. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. That is just like so my well sports put. teams. It's That's like, very well put. But then sometimes you'll see rays of hope or like mm-hmm. maybe the fascists aren't going to win. Yeah. And that, that just hooks me. But yeah, before we go too much on a, tan, uh, on a tandem, because I could info dump all day, I think we should bring this in. Do you have any uh, last parting words? Um, well, what I do have is uh, the fact that I have four podcast topics that we have brought up that we're going to, um, I've been writing them down, but I, I will say to listeners, look outside yourself and allow the child, teen, adult to be who they are. But if you have a good trusting relationship and you build that by allowing that, then you also can say things like, uh, are you going to keep talking about that concert or are we going to move on to something else right because you have that sort of that's what friendship is right checking each other or saying hey or even partners and that's spouses, what it's right? supposed to be at least. that's what it's supposed to be so people should be able to be who they are that is me as a human being uh, not as an autism education specialist i always think that i should be able to be who i am and so should everyone else and Special interest is not a bad word. It's not a bad thing. And until I can figure out another thing to say, to rephrase it, to rebrand, um, it is what it is. And it's actually a great thing that a child has something they're interested in. How wonderful is that? No, it it, it, it is. It, 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 whenever someone's, this would be the last thing I say. People need passion. They need mm-hmm. something to be to be excited about. They need something when you wake up in the morning to be excited about. And anyone who's been in a situation where they wake up in the morning and they don't have that something, mm-hmm. how crappy of an existence that is. Yes. I've been there. I think a lot of our viewers have been there. You want something. You need hobbies. Even if they don't turn the job, you need hobbies. You need things that mm-hmm. make you excited. Mm-hmm. But if you are if you are raised in a culture, whether it's a culture a family cultural dynamic or a culture of where you geographically live that does not promote joy and passion, you're taught just be miserable. And that's where you're like, I don't care if my child likes to do trains, you're going to be an engineer and you're going to learn how to be an engineer because it's not about you having joy. It's about you doing this and doing that because that's what our family does. Um, So there's a lot of dynamics around it. uh, And this was a really good discussion. I think it would be great for us to maybe have this discussion again with a couple of guests. Um, My mind's kind of thinking, but this was great, Torn. Thanks for this. Thanks for this topic. That's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism. See ya.